How you doing, folks? Welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement and one day soon a true proletarian revolution. But until that day comes, I am your host, Josh, and welcome to the show. So, for those of you who it might be your first time tuning in, uh, this is what might be considered a bonus episode. Um, I only say that as a disclaimer because there isn't really going to be a set uh, path or pattern of discussion that I have really uh, for this episode, and I'm kind of just like, you know, going on a little high ride, um, allegedly, uh, and, uh, wanted to just kind of chat about some of the things that are on my mind because, you know, otherwise I just kind of sit with them and, uh, you know, some of these thoughts, stream of consciousness type stuff might be, you know, worth anything. And if I don't do anything with them or talk to anybody about them, quite honestly, they might just pop right on out of my head. Um, but so I just kind of wanted to come on here and talk about a few things because, you know, it's 2022 uh, and we do this thing where we celebrate the end of the year, um, even though as we you know have seen, especially since uh, really the turn of the decade or the, the, the turn of the century. But I guess honestly, putting a time frame on it is little bit ridiculous, but as we have seen for some time, anybody who's really been paying attention, it doesn't really quite matter what year that it really is. If we're not changing uh, systemically what we're doing, right? Because one of the most common things, as you know, we do with the celebration of a new year is this idea of New Year's resolutions. Well, Some of these ideas that we have involve volunteering, participating in an organization, etc. as, uh, you know, a New Year's resolution. And as wonderful and heartfelt I think that is, I hope that people will turn it into more than just a, you know, a once a week or a four one week uh, activity that they participate in because, you know, they feel especially guilty for not having done anything to this point. Um... I hope people are joining organizations and, you know, getting involved in the struggle, not because they think it'll make them a better person or because, you know, it looks good on a resume or this, that, and the third, but because, you know, ultimately that's what we're faced with a necessity to do. And ultimately it's really our duty to one another as human beings. And I use that word, um, duty kind of loosely to, to, you know, denote this feeling of, um, you, you really want to call it like, a, a calling, right? Which many of us all have to, you know, being something bigger or being a part of something bigger than ourselves, right? I think to some extent, some of these feelings come from a hyper-romanticized idealism that each and every one of us is the uh, main character in our lives, 
Um, but sometimes, and most importantly, we must stress that these feelings of collectivity come from this notion and understanding that although we can be individualized in our uniqueness as human beings we really are only capable of this individuality within a system where we are all interconnected where we are all interdependent and where ultimately this identity of individuality is uh you know, in in a co- in a capitalist sense, we often see this identity commodified. You know, um, but what we're looking to cultivate is a collectivity that allows individuals to blossom in their relation to one another, their environment, and then ultimately, of course, their inner selves. Uh, I want to see. Uh, myself and other people putting uh, their word to deed. I want to hear about all these organizations surging in numbers. I want to hear about mass movements happening every single week. I want to hear about communities engaged in struggle for Uh, community gardens, self-defense, all kinds of things, right? Neighborhood education. With uh, the breakdowns that we've seen in the public and private education systems as a whole, as well as higher education uh, here in the United States, I think it's quite clear that we begin uh, conceptualizing new forms of education that are based on Uh, community and uh, communal collective uh, living because quite honestly and this doesn't always need to be our reasoning because sometimes this poses us with a negative but quite honestly we need to do this because this is our only hope of survival We saw and we are continuing to see with Biden's recent acknowledgement that there is, quote, no federal solution available to handle the ongoing COVID-19 crisis and its subsequent um, crises. We see this even on a state level where states like Florida, Texas, South Dakota, South Carolina, um, West Virginia, and others can take such a reactionary and uh, ultimately incorrect line towards things like climate change, anti-imperialism, war, right? all the way down to even masks, vaccines, abortions, right? These things can only really be attacked at a working class or what we might call grassroots level 
because ultimately the interests of the state and the state apparatuses, apparati, such as the education system, the military, the police force, etc., the interests do not coincide naturally with the interests and needs of the broad majority of people. For example, it is antithetical to the existence of a private healthcare system to release and ultimately revoke the restrictions on intellectual property surrounding vaccines and yet that would be and should be on table in a world where people's health was put first in a global health approach. Um, Just as a simple example, right? And again, this is while also acknowledging and purposefully stating that vaccines in and of themselves, especially in a nation so wrought with medical uh, mistreatment, medical racism, right? The uh, very important point that was made on a podcast episode I did with Bands of Turtle Island where the homie Zicado points out that in a nation that helped found both the eugenics and phrenology movements globally it might be said that there is some you know, sincere base to the argument that these supposed experts do not have everyone's best interest in mind. And this was put further on display with the recent actions, we can count them, a few of them, the first one being the lowering of the isolation time by the CDC after two letters were sent by, I believe, Delta and Southwest Airlines. Although I can't be quoted on Southwest, I can be quoted on Delta. Requesting that the CDC further... Uh, analyze whether or not they might be able to shorten the isolation period of COVID positive uh, asymptomatic patients. Uh, This was, of course, uh, while these companies are looking at what possible profits they might lose out on during the holiday season in a world really funded by international travel and transport, 
it uh, obviously stands in question uh, of what motivation the CDC might have had in their uh, choice to do just that. Another thing that we might point out was the recent sending of uh, AstraZeneca vaccines, which were quite close, if not ultimately right on their expiration date, which the country of Nigeria ended up having to throw away over a million doses of. Because, as is displayed here, the global north has more to gain by a million doses of COVID-19 vaccines going bad than they do with those a million doses being administered to people who require a vaccine. This again connected to the idea that we cannot just simply have mass vaccine campaigns especially when they are so centralized in the global north countries and countries like Cuba, which are forced to develop their own vaccines against the uh, hardships of a blockade and global imperialism, which continues to this day. And does not also participate in any further mass containment or uh, especially healthcare reform in a nation which still retains its private healthcare system as a uh, primary form of health services it can't be expected that the representatives which are elected to office who ultimately represent these interests, who ultimately represent the interests of the ruling class, the wealthy and privileged elite, it cannot be expected that these houses of government, uh, health industries, or private corporations are going to dedicate themselves to a people first over profits motive. And this is why countries all over the world are struggling to contain this virus, even within their own borders, because the global north nations are committing to an almost isolationist approach, but not even in the sense that we might want under COVID, but in fact, an isolationist approach in that we are going to take care of ourselves, y'all figure it out. And now they're even saying that to the workers here in the U.S. because as Dr. Fauci said live on TV, we don't want too many people out of work. But this is why ultimately we need a community approach to not only healthcare, 
but all kinds of crises which we are facing. In reflecting on an episode, again, the one that I did with homie from Bands of Turtle Island, which you need to go check out um, and also uh, become patrons of on Patreon and donate some money to them on Cash App. Uh, I believe it's just Bands of Turtle Island on Cash App. Um, But in that episode, I went back and listened to it because I'm hoping to be able to have uh, the homie on again. And, uh, you know, he really points out some incredible things. I would urge you to go listen to that episode and go, again, check out Bands of Turtle Island. But he really points out that indigenous nations on Turtle Island uh, really are suffering from a multitude of contradictions that come to the fore due to an inability to have autonomous and self-determined control over their own uh, nations and peoples, right? Because uh, a very potent example might be Uh, early on in the pandemic when the uh, Navajo Nation uh, requested uh, PPE and uh, testing kits as well as funds to, you know, purchase necessary articles and were sent body bags by the U.S. government. This is just, as many might see it, a continuation of the termination policy once explicitly uh, developed and put on display by the U.S. government. But anyways, community control is so central to this uh, solution, right, that many people uh, know is becoming more and more necessary, the solution being uh, revolution, and, uh, you know, socialism, self-determination, community control, and uh, ultimately replacement of the capitalist and imperialist system. But, you know, we really can't do this just out of the goodwill and understanding of some trustworthy folks. We have to recognize that as we are discussing, right, as some of us are just sitting and talking and listening and going to meetings and such, other people are actively building movements which are trying to stand up and resist this system. And these movements span from all kinds of, uh, you know, direct uh, objectives from uh, land back and decolonization, black liberation, climate justice, um, economic overturn, uh, all kinds of issues uh, facing the patriarchal system, the continued oppression of women, two-spirit, and non-men folks uh, by the uh, sex trade and global uh, sex, you know, system of oppression of people based on gender, based on their uh, sex, um, also uh, as another form of domestic uh, enslavement and exploitation, um, 
we see new forms of oppression coming to the fore with a new uh, petty bourgeois stamp uh, in the form and case of neoliberalism, uh, woke and green imperialism uh, and capitalism, social democracy, this idea that uh, a more egalitarian approach can be taken towards capitalism, as well as, you know, the uh, incredible contradictions which exist among the working people in uh, the form of racism, in the form of, again, gender and sexual oppression and exploitation, in the form of uh, interclass antagonism. This really... Uh, tends to make organization something that is more difficult uh, on the ground than a lot of us can conceptualize it in theory, in, you know, a podcast. Uh, And so one of the most important things that I need to stress and we must continue stressing and which must guide us in our Uh, 2022 and onward, which is this idea that the only way that these contradictions, these antagonisms, these complexities, and these issues can truly be understood and approached and attacked and resolved and struggled against and, uh, you know, developed is through actual and practical organization, participation, mobilization and again struggle if we're not doing the shit if we're not joining the unions if we're not doing the demonstrations if we're not building the community self-defense networks if we're not doing the teach-ins on COVID-19 if we're not helping build you know domestic abuse survival houses and not helping fund uh sex trade exit uh fundraisers shout out probably canceled podcast go check that out with um, a firm Hawaii uh, down there uh, on the island uh, where uh, I might point out real quick that the U.S. Navy is continuing to ignore and do nothing about the spill at Red Hill. Uh, but anyways, uh, real quick, uh, we must be applying theory to action, which is praxis. We must be learning and developing a scientific and dialectical approach to struggle, which can only truly be done on the ground by actively participating in the struggle. Um, More on that in a moment. Going forward, I'd like all of us to do a few things. One, I think we need to look at the groups and the people who continuously are on the front lines leading struggles for decolonization, uh, for black liberation, for an end to imperialism and anti-war struggles. I think we need to look at the people who put, again, their words into deeds and honestly follow suit. Uh, In many instances, I think that it is great and very important that we look to 
Marxist literature, that we look to the writings and teachings of those revolutionaries who came before us, whose generations came before us, and ultimately try to incorporate the lessons of these uh, struggles, not necessarily copy and paste the strategies and tactics as they were of a different time, but ultimately take, uh, as some might say, take the good and leave the bad, um, or at least leave what doesn't apply, right? And on top of that, I think one thing that many of us do not do, including myself, is stand with and ultimately support the individuals who are doing the shit now, right? There are all kinds of incredible people up there in BC in Wet'suwet'en territory who are standing up against the RCMP elders and uh, incredibly strong uh, women and two-spirit organizers and land defenders, water protectors who uh, have made it their uh, life's mission to... uh, make clear what an example of uh, leadership, what an example of struggle, what an example of, you know, revolutionary energy, true revolutionary energy that, you know, stands against imperialism, colonialism, not just simply writes or speaks badly about it. Uh, We need to not just, again, speak about these people, not just write about these people, not just post about these events and, you know, share uh, the content of these organizations, but support these groups, these individuals, and these struggles these processes with monetary and physical uh, support. So, you know, a lot of people want to say, well, what can I do, you know? And uh, I think uh, black, brown, and indigenous organizers throughout the past few years, and honestly, for the history of this settler colonial state's existence, uh, have shown us exactly what you can do. There's a few things you can do. One you can organize in your community. Now, depending on your community, what that might look like might be different. If you can't get your neighborhood of 60 and 70-year-old white working-class people to pick up a gun and go storm the local police precinct, there's other things that you can do, right? And ultimately, there's also other communities who need your support. Not everybody needs to be a leader. Some people need to be just uh, a militant, right? Just a rank and file member of the working class. And uh, we need to look to also examples of, you know, how those who could not be directly involved in the struggles throughout the history of countries like Latin America, Africa, Asia, and the continent that we live on known as Turtle Island, Uh, such as, you know, sending funds or, you know, sending uh, any other kind of support like um, 
you know, I don't know if I can necessarily advocate for this on uh, this channel, but one might look to the historical example of arming uh, revolutionaries and guerrillas and uh, feeding homeless and uh, poor people worldwide that uh, have happened before uh, and, and study those, right? That's really, I guess, all I, I feel comfortable saying. Uh, I've gotten a little too comfortable talking about some things on the show, so I, I don't know. I have yet to be visited by our old uh, friend in blue, friends in blue, but uh, I'm sure one day soon I will make my acquaintance uh, hopefully due to something cooler than this fucking podcast. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's many examples of how support has been given to those who are able to be on the ground uh, fighting. One thing that you can do, uh, send money to uh, working class and exploited uh, indigenous people here on Turtle Island so that they can buy firewood, food, uh, and things like that which aren't readily available uh, on reservations or in uh, you know, circumstances where poverty is existent. Um, I'm not saying, you know, that you need to dedicate your whole check to, uh, you know, you don't need to feel burdened or guilty for not sending a couple G's to, you know, bands of Turtle Island. But, you know, if you got money to spare... Uh, even $15, $20, that's a meal, that's gas, you know, that's oil, um, it's diapers, it's, uh, you know, it's a lot of stuff. So I think another thing, and the last thing I really want to finish on, is uh, a deep, deep, deep connection to our communities and to the masses in general is sorely lacking among the so-called revolutionaries, communists, socialists, and anarchists in general. This is not to claim any one group or any one tendency is doing something that another isn't, but this is to say that on average, it's so incredibly evident, just plainly even in the way that we've handled this pandemic on an individual level shows this complete disconnection from one another, this complete disavowal of communal living, of collective uh, care and caretaking. Um, I think that something that can be done to change that can be seen in, again, historical examples which exist uh, in every context, in every period of time, on just about every continent. One of the most important being fucking know your neighbors. That's one thing I am not great at. I live in a city where at any point in time, you know, I go and I knock on the door, uh, there's a good chance that nobody's going to be home because either they're working, the house is vacant, or, you know, they're out doing X, Y, and Z. And I need to find other ways to get connected to those who are directly in my, you know, sphere of existence. Uh, we have to unionize our workplaces. As much as I might come on here and say that unions have 
a uh, not necessarily revolutionary character, ultimately that depends on also the character of those who make up the union. If you have a union of communists, that might be different than a union of, you know, conservatives. So we need to unionize our workplaces. We need to be committing to mass education about COVID, about poverty, about uh, imperialism, about capitalism, about uh, issues facing our communities. We need to be doing more than passing out pamphlets and putting flyers on people's mailboxes. We have to be feeding people. We have to be clothing people. If you, again, you got $20, $30 to spare, go down to your local Walmart, or if you don't fucks with Walmart, find a store where you can buy hats, mittens, gloves, and scarves. Buy as many as you can. Drive around in areas where you see, you know, houseless uh, folks and give them out. Uh join or develop a local community fridge, something that I do that I'm very proud of, although I wish we could be doing more, um, is once a week, I, through the donations of community members, which we are organized with, am able to go to a local grocery store and put $100 worth of groceries in a fridge where just about anybody that can get there can come down and take whatever they want. And, you know, that is one step towards developing a base within our community. And that's ultimately what we're going for. These things are a process, remember. So my last point is this, really. Um, Again, we need to be taking the leadership of those who are actively leading, yet we're ignoring. We need to be putting words to deeds. We need to be putting actions into uh, practice. And ultimately, we need to be developing a collective consciousness and a communal living uh, situation. But we also need to be developing what we might call dual power, which is, you know, organizations, uh, systems and structures within the capitalist and imperialist system, which take a real attempt to mitigate the symptoms which exist under that system, but not for a sake of simply uh, handling them so they become normalized, not for the sake of uh, charity, not for the sake of a temporary band-aid fix, but ultimately as a base, again, to further propagandize, to further develop, and to further build a revolution in and of itself, right? Um, Through things even as simple as uh, you know, mass education about ICE detention camps if you live in an area where they're prominent or private prisons for that matter. Um, all of this can and needs to be done. I stress the importance of parties. I stress the importance of organization, but you can be doing things without necessarily being a militant of the PSL or the DSA or this or that group, right? You can be taking steps practically in your own community and in your own life. But in that sense, we must be doing it with the intention of developing all of this in a way that can connect to itself and ultimately build on one another uh, to develop a revolutionary mass movement that can be developed into mass organizations intent on taking and seizing state power and building a revolutionary uh, liberation struggle and 
socialist reality, hopefully. But ultimately, this can only be developed one step at a time. The process is growing, it's developing, it has ebbs and flows, it has advances and retreats, it has attacks and defense, and it has periods of revolution and reaction. We need to be getting better at doing all of that. And we need to be getting better at doing it together. Um, But that's really all I have to say. This is my opening reflections going into the year of 2022. I hope you've enjoyed this. Please go check out my other content. Also, go check out Bands of Turtle Island. Subscribe to them on Patreon. You can also uh, please go check out the Affirm uh, Sex Trade Exit uh, fundraiser that is being done in collaboration with Probably Cancelled Podcast. You can also please go donate to Red Media and uh, help to fund a lot of the projects that they are doing. Please go check out also um, uh, organizations in your area that are dedicated to developing the struggle and impacting materially the uh, situations and conditions that people are suffering under today. Please go join revolutionary organizations and develop community control, build your base, and develop popular power. Long live the revolution, folks. I hope everybody is well. Stay safe, stay revolutionary, stay well, and we will see you next time. Peace.